The sky is not falling for the Vegas Golden Knights to the relief of many who thought the season was over after four games. But a 5-2 victory for Vegas over the Kings on Sunday puts a nice bow on the Sega Baba. Second game of back-to-back, we didn't know. And they move to 4-2 and and 0 on the young season. The top line for Vegas is back, stronger than ever, especially on the power play. We'll break down this win, how deadly that man advantage was, and the difference Paul Stasny makes for that Stone and Pacioretty line over Cody Glass. Welcome back, everybody. It's a brand new week. It's Monday, but this is Locked on Golden Knights, and we're ready to go. Happy Monday. Let's get to it. To another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday to you. Usually it's not a happy Monday if you're starting on the work week and you just had a pretty fun weekend. Probably not as fun as the Vegas Golden Knights had winning those two division games, but you know what? At least you can go into work knowing that uh, you're a little bit happy knowing that Vegas is uh, back and humming along and the sky is not falling for the Golden Knights. So welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster. Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And as we do with every episode, I want to uh, first off welcome all the first-time listeners that have just stumbled upon this podcast for the first time. Uh, we are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, it's mostly Monday through Friday, but sometimes Saturday as we did yesterday, uh, talking about the Flames game. Uh, but mostly we are Monday through Friday talking everything about the Vegas Golden Knights. So if this is your first time stumbling upon us, uh, we are on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we are on Stitcher, we're probably on a whole bunch of other platforms as well. Uh, please feel free to subscribe so that you can stay, my favorite pun intended, locked on every day when we go live with a new episode talking about everything from news to analysis to game recaps and so on and so forth. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please be so kind as to leave us a rating, leave us a review. Uh, And every bit of that helps for this podcast as we continue to grow. Uh, The NHL section of the Locked On Network is steadily growing. We have a lot of great podcasts um, with pretty much all of your other teams. If you're looking for other content besides this one, uh, please feel free to give my colleagues a follow on their respective pods as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And if you want to send us an email, you can do so at LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. Again, please, if you're going to say anything, just don't say anything bad about puppies or kittens. That's my only that's my only request if you do send the elec- the electronic email. So feel free to reach out to me on all of those platforms. I'm normally good about getting everybody uh, getting everybody back if they do respond. And also, a uh, just to get this out of the way now, we are doing a mailbag episode, our first one on Tuesday. If you would like to get a question submitted for this mailbag, please feel free to send a question in in any of the forms that I have mentioned. So be sure to be look on the lookout for that for Tuesday's episode. So, uh, a good night 
pun intended, I guess, for the Golden Knights. Again, a 5-2 victory over the Kings, the first meeting this year between the chess piece rivals. Uh, the Knight uh, takes the King, or however in the world it works. I haven't played chess in like 15 years, so I'm probably as illiterate as all hell when it comes to that. But if we go back to that Boston game on last Tuesday, where Vegas took a 2-0 lead, over the next 111 minutes and 40 seconds, including the 4-1 loss to Arizona on Thursday, Vegas was outscored 8-2. They were not playing great hockey. Everybody wasn't uh, getting involved in the offense. The sky apparently was falling for a lot of people because, you know, God forbid, an 82-game season, if they start losing games like this without their top defenseman and their top power forward, things could get a little crazy. Alas, Vegas comes back in a back-to-back against the Calgary Flames on Saturday, the Los Angeles Kings on Sunday, and outscores them 11-4 to in those two games. Everything is all right in the world. Vegas now improves to 4-1 and against the Pacific Division this year, and two of those were courtesy of the the San Jose Sharks, who all of a sudden have found new life with Patrick Marlowe back in the fold. And Vegas is now 4-2 on the year of zero overtime losses or shootout losses. And they are humming again. And everything apparently is okie-dory in the land of the Golden Knights. Marc-Andre Fleury, in probably what most would consider not a smart move, But then again, I'm not Gerard Gallant. I'm not Dave Pryor. Far be it for me to ever question what those two men do with their goaltending situation. Marc-Andre Fleury plays the second half of the back-to-back, the Sega Baba, as we alluded to at the beginning, by the way. Sega Baba, S-E-G-A, second game, B-A-B-A, back-to-back. Just for those who have never heard of that reference before, I've been I've been using that for the last couple of years now, and it just sticks. Uh, so Flurry gets the start on Sunday after a pretty good performance against the Flames on Saturday. They go to L.A. and Mark Andre Flurry out of this world, thirty six saves, a lot of very good saves. We'll talk about that in a little bit for his four hundred forty third win in the NHL and. Counting the game on Saturday and the game on Sunday, Marc-Andre Fleury stopped 69 of 73 shots he faced in this back-to-back. There's a whopping 69 saves all together now. One, two, three. Nice. Uh, So Fleury off to a very strong start to this season. Uh, even if you count the, the second half of the game or the two thirds part of the game that he played at Arizona, he gave up those two goals, but he played pretty well, all things considered coming in for the injured Malcolm Subban. So Fleury's gotten off to a very strong start to this season. And this was another instance where you can tell the goaltending discrepancy starts and ends in the Pacific division, at least with Mark Andre Fleury, uh, a very big night. For the top line, and I'm talking about the top line of Paul Stasny centering with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, for as much as we all love the Carlson line, and a lot of people would consider it as the top line, until further notice, that line 
is going to be the top line, even if they aren't starting every single night. Big night for Stasny in his second game back with that line. Uh, Two-goal night, along with two assists for four points. Max Pacioretty had a goal and two assists, and Mark Stone scored his fourth goal of the season to propel the 5-2 victory. So the top line combines for four goals. The fifth goal came from Riley Smith, which was actually the first goal of the game. His fourth goal of the season, that line is may not be the top line status right now, but they are definitely humming along right now. William Carson with his sixth assist of the uh, of the season. So six assists through six games for Wild Bill. Yet to get in the scoring department, but he is off to a very stellar start when it comes to his vision and just the way that he sees the ice. It's always insane to see how good William Carlson is from a passing standpoint. So that Smith goal was the first one of the game at 542 of the first period to give Vegas the 1-0 lead. Carlson with the assist. And less than two minutes later, about one, I want to say 117 later, Vegas goes on the power play for the first of three times. And Max Pacioretty snipes it from the right circle, uh, beats Jonathan Quick short side for his second goal of the season. Both of those goals, by the way, coming on the power play. 2 nothing at 6.59 for the Golden Knights off Pacioretty's second goal of the season. Uh, not to be outdone, however, 50 seconds later, the Kings do get on the board. Austin Wagner off the turnover from the fourth line. Uh, he scores to make it 2-1 to one in favor of Vegas, and that would be the score going into the second period after a really a dominating performance by the Kings in the first period in terms of uh, shots on goals 16 to 7 were the shots in the first period in favor of the Kings and this game could have either gotten really out of hand for Vegas or they would have been facing a multiple goal deficit going into the second period had it not been for Marc-Andre Fleury making a few fantastic saves uh, one of them, especially coming on one of the Kings power plays, uh, Anze Kopitar, all alone, back door, gets the puck, flurry slides from left to right, and gets enough of it on his pad to kick it away from Kopitar. Then I believe he had another one later on where he made a huge save. I believe it was on Jeff Carter. And if he doesn't make those two saves, it's more than likely the Kings are going into the first period with the lead, or at least the game is tied. But the fact that Vegas was able to escape really unscathed, scored twice on seven shots on Jonathan Quick, who by all accounts had a really abysmal night. Um, Flurry was locked and loaded playing in the second game of the back-to-back, and he was really the difference it, uh, at least the difference early on in the in the eyes of uh, Coach Gerard Gallant. Yeah, no, Fleury was real key in the first period for us. Obviously, they had two power plays and they had some great chances. But uh, I like the way we played the game from from right from the start till the end. So we played a good solid game, and uh, LA played a real good game. They came out and they could have probably had three or four in the first. And uh, like I said, Fleury was key. It was huge. It was, he was a big factor in the game for me. The first period was he was outstanding. He made you know not just good saves but outstanding saves, and that was real key for me. He kept doing it too because there was a couple of times on three one, he made sure they didn't get back into it. Even at five two, he made a couple. Yeah. Well, that's what he does. You know, he plays back-to-back games. He's fresh. He feels good, and uh, he's excited to get that back-to-back game today. 
Second period was a complete flip of the script for the Golden Knights. Not only did they assert themselves in the forechecking department, not only did they clamp down defensively, they nearly tripled the Kings in shots, 23-8 to in the second period after getting out shots 16-7 to in the first. And not only did they make life hard on Jonathan Quick in the second period, but they took advantage of two power plays toward the uh, later half of the second period, and both times they were converted by Paul Stasny. First goal came at 14:51 of the second period, assist from Pacioretty and Theodore to make it three to one. And then at 17 minutes, so about 2:09 later, Stasny scores his second of the night, assist from Marshall and Nick Haig to make it 4-1 and pretty much put the game out of reach. Dustin Brown scored. Uh, at 4:24 to third to make it 42, but Mark Stone iced the game at 4:41 to the third, literally 17 seconds after Brown scored to make it five to two. Pacioretty gets his second assist of the night. Stasny with his second assist of the night, and that would be your final score. So a 4.9 for Paul Stasny, three points for Pacioretty, uh, goal from Stone, giving that line eight points on I believe it was 12 shots. Pretty damn good. And then Shea Theodore with two assists, Marshall, Carlson, Smith, and Haig also getting in the scoring department. So apparently before the game, well, not apparently, it was a fact, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers played a preseason basketball game at Staples Center, and it didn't end until about maybe 4, 4.30, or even maybe just a little bit earlier before that. So there was really not a lot of time to get hockey hockey optics, I guess you can say, ready at Staples Center with a few hours remaining before puck drop. So the ice probably was not at its best. Um, I would presume that it had to be a very warm rink, knowing that they had to get the the hardwood out and then put it in with ice and just not a lot of time for it to to sit and freeze at the way that uh, would be ideal skating conditions. So for Vegas, they just needed to play a simple game, and it turned out very well for them. Uh, they didn't do anything too fancy. They just did what they do best, and that's assert themselves on the forecheck, get into the painted areas, let their big boy players uh, make plays in front of the net, and that worked to perfection. The big money players made their plays, and it was and they were simple plays, and that's what Vegas needed to do in order to get that win and I'm pretty sure maybe the same thing was uh, was happened on Friday or on Saturday's game against Calgary because WWE SmackDown was at T-Mobile Arena, and then they had to get that out, and then for the next day, get the ice in for Vegas and Calgary, and they had a little bit time, a little bit more time to make those conditions more um, more ready, I, I suppose you could say. But this time with the Clippers playing and you know, the Kings having to play a game a few, few hours later, not an ideal situation, but Vegas did what they needed to do. They played a simple game and they are now four and two on the season with their next game coming up on Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. So we're going to talk about the, uh, the power play and just how good it was on Sunday night. But first, uh, I need to ask you all a question. Do you want to go see the Golden Knights take on the Nashville Predators on Tuesday? 
because it could be a Western Conference final preview. You, you really never know. As much as I would like to say that we're giving out free tickets, I wish that were the case. I would like to send somebody there. Uh, more than likely it would be my wife because she hasn't been to a game yet. Uh, but nevertheless, if you are planning on wanting to go to a game, Vivid Seats has got you covered, and Vivid Seats wants to get you there. Vivid Seats is here to get you to your favorite live events in a way that is affordable to you, whether it be sporting events, concerts, theater productions, Vivid Seats wants to give you the experiences that will last a lifetime for you and yours. If you download the Vivid Seats app today on your mobile device via the App Store or Google Play, the purchases you make through the app can get you credits back via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. So basically, if you purchase tickets to Tuesday's game against the Predators, you can get rewards back, basically. And you're automatically enrolled into the program from the moment you download the app and you sign up for it. And here's the best part about this. If you download the app and you're ready to make your purchase, you enter the promo code postseason at checkout. So it's like the playoffs, postseason. Think of uh, baseball right now in the the depths of the championship series. They're in the playoffs. They're in the postseason. Use that code at checkout, and you can receive up to a a discount of up to $100 on your first purchase. So if you get like three tickets for the whole family to go see the game on Tuesday – you could probably save about $100 on that purchase. And there are, there are tickets you can get for that game that are going for about $80 a pop, which is really absurd if you think about it. So this is a really good opportunity to get to a Golden Knights game if you have not done so yet. So go download the Vivid Seats app, that's V-I-V-I-D, Seats, to save up to, up to $100 on your first purchase using the promo code POSTSEASON. Don't forget about that, that, uh, that rewards program where it can probably save you for a lot of ticket savings down the road. So go download the Vivid Seats app today and save a boatload of money on your first purchase. So I made the funny comment after the second Sharks game last week that the Golden Knights penalty kill is more than likely the greatest unit ever assembled in athletics. And to that point, it's still pretty true. Vegas is two gold differ- plus two gold differential uh, shorthanded is still tops in the league. So until further notice, that still stands. But the power play, my God. It, it, it was only the fourth time in Vegas. I guess you can't say fourth, only fourth time ever because any team that can score three times in a power play and do it four times, I think, especially in a three-year history, is pretty damn good. But the last time they did it was back in March against the Sharks. Um, but the Golden Knights power play was just, man, it was lethal. And if you can get that power play going, especially when the Stasny unit or the Stasny line is on that unit, it just makes it more deadly. And you cannot take a shift off when you're on the PK against those guys because every player on that unit is so damn smart. Now that you throw in Cody Glass, who his IQ has been raved about by the likes of Pacioretty and Stone, when you add him in as you know the bumper at the bumper spot or net front. It really makes it dangerous. And you go back to the second power play goal because the, the, the first one was just lethal. Cycle it around, patch it ready at his office, fires it, and beats quick. That that one was just pure shot skill, and that's max patch ready to a T. The second one is when you really watch it and you just go, how in the world do you just make that look effortless? Because Stone loses the puck off the half boards 
uh, gets it back to Shea Theodore, who's at the uh, who's at the point. Fires it back to Pacioretty, who's over on the wall. And I don't know if you can say that this was a breakdown by the Kings, because when you look at it back, Stasny's in front, glasses at the back door. So if Pacioretty puts this pass right on the money, no matter who gets it at the end, they're going to score. And just so happened that Paul Stasny was right there, deflects the shot from Pacioretty, and Vegas goes up 3-1, to one, and then all of a sudden, you know, the power play is looking at its peak. The second Stasny goal was just a passing clinic That's that starts with Haig getting the puck, sh- shuffling it in up the front. Marshall is behind the net. Little touch pass, Stasny right in front, snipes a pass quick, and it's four to one. And that that's pre- that was pretty much a combination of Stasny with Marshall and Carlson because Stasny just couldn't get off the ice. Like he stayed on that shift the entire time and really just made the Kings pay. And I look at this power play. And like I said, you got so many smart guys. You have Stone, who's one of the more intelligent skaters I think anybody has ever seen live. And you're seeing just how good he is now that he's on a contender. But then you add in Stasny, who is one of the smartest players in the league. His IQ and his memory are just beyond comprehension. Pacioretty, who is still one of the best shooters in the game in the game and I still think once he gets it going and starts scoring a five on five he's going to be even more deadly you add those three on a line who already play outstanding together and the chemistry between those three is already off the charts then you put them with a man advantage and then you throw in you throw in glass and then you throw in Theodore and Theodore is Theodore is also really good when he gets the puck he understands what the coverages are, what the matchups are looking like, where he can find the openings. He's so good at that. And when you put those five together, it's it's just dangerous. And I think when you take into account the Carlson line on the power play, they're just as dangerous, but right now they're missing one key component. And that key component is Alex Tuck. Now, I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm really not sure. When Tuck comes back, it very well could be Tuck plays with Stasny, Stone, and Pacioretty. That could be very well the case because not many goalies would want to see that big body of Alex Tuck, you know, shielding them when that line is just passing and passing and passing before they find the open chance and score. I don't think they want to see that. But I also think Tuck would make a lot of good sense on the uh, on the second unit with Carlson with the Carlson line, because they've had to kind of interchange between Brandon Peary and Valentin Zikov for a little bit, and it just hasn't worked. You know, it, it, right now those two on the power play with those guys, I feel like they're just standing there just to just to be nice and have a fifth body, and it, it really just doesn't work. Alex Tuck is the next missing component to that power play. And I'd actually be really interested to see maybe Glass move over to that unit. I think him with the Stasny line is where he's gonna is where he's gonna have his bread and butter on the power play. Uh, 
But I'd really be interested to see how he works with Carlson, how he works with Marsh Assault, and just his vision and his IQ and how he makes those guys better and how he can get them into the spots that, that make them dangerous. But I think you can really make the case that if you want to get that power play unit going, Alex Tuck would be perfect. And then when Nate Schmidt comes back, you can kind of add him to that one as well because I believe Nick Haig is taking over the second unit. So Nick Haig is with Marshall Carlson and Smith. When Schmidt comes back, you have that uh, that more assertive shot from the point. And then you can have Tuck as your net front presence because that's really what Vegas is lacking in that unit. And I think that's where that's why Peary and Zekov really haven't worked out. There's no net front presence. At least you know with the first unit, Stasny's going to be in front. Glass is usually going to be in the bumper. And they make it work given on their skill set and just how well that they feed off each other. So I think when Tuck gets back, I would like to see him on that unit with the Carlson line. I just think it would be a very good match. Now, obviously, they're not going to go three for three every night. But it shows you how dangerous this team can be with a man advantage. And last year, they had their their struggles on the power play and really didn't get a lot going, especially in December. And that really changed when they got Stone. It, just because Stone is such a good quarterback and he can just he just watches how everything unfolds and he just makes it look effortless. So the power play, I think, is going to be probably tops, mid-table, maybe tops in the league. It, it has that potential. And you saw it firsthand tonight, or on Sunday, just how good that power play can be. And I think it's only going to get better once Alex Tuck makes his return uh, from injury. So something to look forward to uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's just, it just easy, easy to play with. I think uh, you, have, you know, two other guys that bring different things to the table, but I think the most important thing is, is everyone works hard and everyone works for each other. So um, at any time, you can just go out there and fortress as hard as you can, knowing that, you know, you know, left wing or right wing or patch, just nobody's going to be, you know, F2 or F3 or vice versa. You know, you don't have to go out there and waste energy for no reason. Now, I think the other thing that we need to talk about is how how good Paul Stasny makes that line. Now, th- this is not a knock on Cody Glass because Cody Glass played exceptionally well in the games where he was centering Stone and Pacioretty. So this is definitely not a knock on him. But there's a reason why Paul Stasny has five points in two games since returning to that line with Stone and Pacioretty. He's just so, and and again, I know the majority of those points came on the power play, but you just see when he's working together with them, he just makes that line go. And I think you, you benefit having that veteran presence, that veteran line, that veteran line that knows how to win, or at least is on the cusp of knowing how to win, especially two guys who have been there, done that, and Stone is... You know, he's been to the playoffs, he's been deep into the playoffs, but he hasn't been like the guy. Now Stone is the guy on this team. And I think when you have three veterans who know how, the fact that their chemistry is clicking so quickly, I think is the most amazing thing about this. Just Stasi knows where both of them are going to be. Stone with the ability to score and the ability to also be a playmaker 
it also benefits Stasny. And I just think having those three together, that makes them your top line. And I mentioned it a couple of days ago. There's no doubt in my mind, Cody Glass benefited from that, and he's only going to get better when he's on the third line. And when Alex Tuck returns, I see no reason as to think why Glass can't stay on the wing. And we'll talk a little bit more on Tuesday as to my thoughts on Glass on the wing in the first couple of games of that experiment. But I just you you're the way that they are going to win this year is going to be on the success of those three. I'm talking about Stasny Stone Pacioretty. Those three are going to carry you. That could carry you to a championship, and it takes the pressure off completely of the Carlson line because you're not really going to be intimidated by a 20 year old rookie centering a line with two of the best offensive players in the game. But if you throw in Stasny, who is a bona fide playmaker, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the X factor. Having those three together is what's going to bring this team a championship. And then the Carlson line is just complimentary. And then when Alex Tuck returns and he goes back to the third line, and he's on the left side or the right side, depending on how, how it best fits him, with Egan and Glass. There's, there's your top nine. And I've mentioned this before, you know, in other, in other outlets. You have a top nine that can play that well. That's a game changer. And then you add in the fourth line who just, is, just shows up out of nowhere and just starts scoring goals. But having Stasny on that line, his patience, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, overreact to any play. He's, he can lead the rush. When he gets the puck, he knows where both of his guys are going to be. And that's just how it makes that line so dynamic and so good. I just think that that's going to be the trio that eventually leads this team to a title, whether it be this year or next year. Because the, you, the fact that you've seen what they can do in a limited sample size, we're now finally getting to see them for a full season. And obviously injuries definitely play a factor into that of, of why we haven't been able to see that yet. But you've seen it two games in. That line together again is so dang good. And I, and I truly believe just the way Stasny approaches his patience, the way he plays, and the way he just, it doesn't take much for him to make a play like that. And you can just see it when Stone and Pacioretty are clicking the way that they are. There's a reason why they went out July 1st and said, we need Paul Stasny. There's a reason why the Golden Knights said we need to get Paul Stasny because they needed to get better at center in the top six. And then knowing how good of a center he already is, you throw him with Pacioretty and Stone, it's insane. And, you know, knock on wood, that trio can stay healthy. That's the trio that's going to lead this team to a final and it's going to lead him to a cup. But again... This is why they play 82 games. I feel like I need to make, make that known every time. This is why 
they play 82 games. So Golden Knights are off today. Uh, no practice after completing the the back-to-back in dominant, emphatic fashion. They will be back on Tuesday with a, I believe, a morning skate, and then they're going to go right back to playing the Nashville Predators on Tuesday, and then a quick turnaround against the Ottawa Senators on the 17th on that Thursday in Mark Stone's first game against his former team. But we will bring more of a preview about the Predators on Tuesday's pod. We will also, again, be doing our first mailbag. So, again, if you have any questions, please uh, tweet, at, tweet at me or send me an email or anything like that. If you have a question that you would like answered in our first mailbag pod on Tuesday, and uh, we will get to that and discuss whatever it is is on your mind because there's... There's probably a lot we can talk about here in the in the first six games. So Vegas, Nashville coming up. We got the mailbag and then more hockey coming up later this week. So that is going to do it for me. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support on this podcast. Again, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please uh, support. Please download any uh any and all contribution to this podcast is of great help and it is all appreciated. And it makes me like each and every one of you, not love yet. Cause we're still in that phase of getting to know each other, but uh, like absolutely like I like every, every bit of one of you who supports this podcast. So that's going to do it for me, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will see you on Tuesday for the mailbag and a look at Tuesday, uh, look at Tuesday's game against the Nashville predators. Thank you, everybody. I am Danny Webster. Thanks for listening. We'll let the music take us out, and I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a good one.